Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, team, for leading us. What, what do we mean when we say Jesus reigns? What does that actually mean in modern vernacular? Let me tell you, what it means simply is that we believe Jesus is in control of whatever situation you find yourself in. Uh, maybe you're a, a recent graduate or about to be a graduate of, of high school, college, trade school, something like that. Uh, you're transitioning into a new season. You can be confident that Jesus has gone before you, that he knows what's coming, that he's going to walk with you through that. Maybe you're a small business owner. You're navigating really uncertain economic times. Maybe uh, you are a parent or a mom even of babies or young children or teenagers or young adults. As you know, the parenting journey never finishes, right? And sometimes we go, man, what is going on here? And you can have confidence That if you know Jesus, if the Spirit of God lives inside of you, then whatever storm you're facing, whatever you're in the middle of or about to walk into, Jesus reigns over your situation. He's got it under his control. It is good in his hands. Let me again say happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. Uh, We have a treat for you on the way out. I'm a little salty because it's one of my favorite treats and I don't get it. But if you are a mom... Um, And by the way, that includes foster moms, adoptive moms, uh, biological moms, and anyone who is a spiritual mom to someone, we encourage you to go get a treat. Um, And we just want to say thank you. Thank you for what you do in your home, in our community, in Horizon West Church. We would not be the church that we are without you. I don't know if this happened. I guess it probably didn't. But imagine a scenario with me where God is creating the world and he says, hey, I've got an idea. He's talking, let's say to the angels because who else is there at this point? And he says, angels, I've got this idea for billions of people inhabiting the the world and animals and all these incredible things. And they go, oh, okay, so you're gonna create billions of people. He says, no, 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 I'm not gonna create them all right now. They're going, well, what do you mean? He says, I'm just gonna create two people And then from these people, they're going to produce people who are going to produce people. I'm going to give the world the gift of a mom. And every person that comes into the world is going to come into the world through this person that is called mom. That that is the power of motherhood. In fact, the first woman who became a mother, Eve, that name literally means life giver or life source. Not super creative, but that's what it is. Adam's name meant dirt, so it wasn't much better. But... To be a mom is to be a life giver. We have moms who didn't give birth, but you're still a life giver. You're the mom that God has chosen to raise that child, to to impart to them wisdom, to correct and discipline and nurture and raise. To be a mom is to be a giver of life. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look in the Bible at a woman who epitomizes what it means to be a life-giving mom. I, this week, looked up my four last Mother's Day messages, all the Mother's Day messages we've uh, had since Horizon West Church began. Um, And by the way, I don't remember what I preached last year. I don't expect you to. However, 
I wanted to make sure I wasn't repeating myself every year. And so I looked at my last four messages and the woman that God led me to preach on today is not a woman that I've preached on at any previous Mother's Day. In fact, it's not a woman that I've ever preached on. And to go even one step further, I've never heard a sermon or listened to a podcast or anything that was specifically devoted to this woman, this mom that we're going to look at today. And my hope is that I've piqued your curiosity as to who I'm talking about. Let me further pique that curiosity by telling you that this woman, I believe, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the most significant, and maybe even more so than Mary, her actions more uh, important to the plan of God than any other woman in the Bible. And the woman's name is Jochebed. Jochebed, okay? Now, it is one thing to try to relate with Mary, the mother of Jesus. If you're a mom in the room or watching online, it's not the easiest thing in the world to follow Mary's parenting journey, right? Like, did any of you get told by angels that you were going to have a child? <laughs> any of you moms think that your child is sinless? Like, how do we emulate Mary? Now, she's a great example for us, but it's not such an easy thing to cut and paste. And yet, when it comes to Jacobed, I think maybe, perhaps, moms, you might be able to relate with some parts of her story. Consider this when it comes to Jacobed. No visions came to her, no angelic appearances. Her birth was not miraculous. She was instead living through incredible societal turmoil and religious exile. She was facing overwhelming and almost, you could say, crippling obstacles to raising a child who could not only survive, but thrive in the world that she lived in. Some of you have heard people say, I just don't want to bring a child into this world. You ever heard that? And it, I can understand that. I can understand looking at the things that are going on to have that feeling or that thought. In fact, I would guess that if Jacobed wasn't a woman of faith, she might have paused and said, I'm not sure I want to bring a child into this world. Because not only was uh, this a difficult time to have a child, listen, she was an enslaved person in Egypt. They were coming up on nearly 400 years of enslavement, which meant that Jacobed's parents and their parents and their parents and their parents and their parents back 400 years had known nothing but slavery. Making matters worse, she was inundated by the godless ideas and practices of the Egyptian people of that time. And if all of that wasn't enough, she's pregnant at a time where the supreme leader of Egypt, a guy named Pharaoh, has said all two-year-old boys, uh, two and younger, are to be killed. His fear of the Israelite people led to an infanticide and Jochebed becomes pregnant in the middle of all of that. I believe Jochebed had a choice before her. She, be, she could become paralyzed with fear of what would happen to her children or she could take life-giving action to save them and to prepare them for what God had in mind for them. Moms, in 2023, I think you have a similar choice. We don't live in a world of enslavement or of genocide, but moms, you've got to deal with bullies. You've got to deal with technology. You've got to deal with entertainment. You've got to deal with wars and viruses and opioids. And it's a scary world out there. Am I wrong? And there's a lot of fear and trepidation when it comes to how do I navigate my children through this crazy thing we call life. And the question for us becomes, the question for us moms and dads is, 
Will the realities in our world paralyze us? Or will they lead us to take life-giving action for our children? Well, I've said her name several times now. You may not know anything about Jacobed, but you probably have heard of one or more of her children. We know of three of them. Jacobed's children that we know were Aaron, Miriam, and Moses. If you've ever watched Prince of Egypt or some of you that are a little, uh, have been on the earth a little longer, maybe remember the Ten Commandments, that this is the woman who gave birth and gave life to Moses. So we're going to look at her story in Exodus chapter t- uh, 2. We're going to have it behind me. If you've got a Bible or Bible app, you can follow along as well. Let me read Exodus chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman, and she conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And then the boy's sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh uh, came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. And when she saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her servant and the woman took it. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying and she took pity on it. She took pity on it and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then the boy's sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And so the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. There are parts of Jacobed's story, the fear, the danger that we can relate with. There's other parts that we certainly cannot. One place that my family can relate is bringing a child into the world in a little bit tumultuous circumstances. All three of our children's birth stories are not the usual, typical kind. The circumstances, so to speak, weren't always good. But I can tell you that in all three cases, when I looked at my newborn child, I said, this child is good. In fact, the, the, uh, my, my oldest, my daughter Addison, who made me a dad, I, I remember going up to the neonatal intensive care unit at Arnold Palmer Hospital, or Winnie Palmer rather, and there's all these isolettes and these tiny babies, and I find the one that has on the card, baby girl Ogden, and I look down at my child, and it was like, I'm in, I'm here for this. This is unbelievable. Something changed in me. See, m- moms become moms the moment they know they're pregnant, But it takes dads, the birth, to become a dad, right? So like public service announcement, men, if your wife is pregnant, this is her first Mother's Day, okay? Don't wait till the child's born. This is it. This is game day. But for me, it was the day of their birth. In the first case, it was June 4th, 2012, when I became a dad and something kicked in within me. And for Jacobet, as she's delivering this child in crazy circumstances, where the most powerful person in the world literally wants her child dead, Jacobed made a choice. The scripture says that she saw that he was fine. The, the Hebrew word is simply the word tov, which means good. What mom hasn't looked at her child and said, I like this one. <laughs> this is a good one. This one's beautiful. 
And in that moment, something kicked in with Jochebed, and she said in her mind and in her spirit, Pharaoh's not getting this one. Parents, I want to encourage us. We live in a day and age where the world wants to press our children into its mold. The enemy has a plan for our children to steal, to kill, and destroy. And we need dads and moms, we need parents to rise up and say, the enemy's not getting this one. You're not having this one. The first life-giving action that we see in the passage that Jacobed took was that she protected her child. Now, my imagination went wild here because I'm thinking, how in the world do you, do you keep people from knowing that you've had a, a newborn child? Like, she couldn't have concealed her pregnancy. So everybody, Israelite or Egyptian, knows this woman is carrying a child. And then for three months, nobody has any questions. Like, have you ever seen The Quiet Place where they like can't make any sound? I'm like, is this, like, are they just like, create this little room? I actually have a different theory based on my own experience and my family's. I wonder if Moses was born early. Because if he's born three months early, nobody's asking questions yet. And is Jochebed just pretending to still be pregnant? Is she putting bulrushes under her? I, I don't know. Like, this is where my mind goes. But for whatever reason, for three months, nobody asked any questions. She was able to keep Moses hidden. And then when she could no longer keep him hidden, verse 3, my translation would say something like this. She took action. Those bulrushes that grew up along the Nile River, she took those and weaved them into a basket and then she took something like asphalt which created an adhesive and built a basket in which she could protect her infant son Moses. And notice the scripture is very clear, she did it. She did it. She didn't kick her husband and say, hey, go get this job done. She, she didn't say, hey, I hope somebody will protect my child. She knew that God had given her an assignment as a mom. It was her job to take the life-giving action that her child desperately needed. I want to make sure that we as a church are on the same page when it comes to our view of women. Because some people have erroneously attributed to the Bible a view of women that is weak and passive and uneducated where it's all about men. That is not the story of the Bible. In fact, I would argue that at every turn, the Bible is light years ahead of its culture in its view of women. Can I give you just a few quick examples? There was this woman named J.L., and one time an enemy commander showed up in her tent, and she took out a tent peg and drove it through his temple. This is not action I'm encouraging. I'm just making a point that this was a woman who knew how to get a job done. Another woman, Deborah, was a contemporary of a prophet named Barak. And when she saw the need of the moment, she said to Barak, you need to lead the people into battle. You need to call the troops to war. He said, I'm not doing it. And she stepped into his place and led the people to victory in battle as a judge in Israel. Another woman, Ruth, took it upon herself in the middle of a famine to go and collect harvest to keep herself and her mother-in-law alive. Esther stood before the powerful king Artaxerxes and declared to him that he needed to step in and save her people. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was the first person on the planet to learn that the Messiah was actually arriving. And another Mary, Magdalene, in the garden tomb, was the first person to see the resurrected Jesus and was told by Jesus, take the message to your brothers. My conclusion Women, we need your voice. We need your initiative. We need your leadership. Our church is better when you take what God has put in you and bring it out of you. 
I can also say this not only because of the witness of scripture, but because I'm married to a really strong woman. A woman who has incredible wisdom, who has incredible strength, who is able to get things out of people that I could only wish to do. Her leadership, her skill in that regard is phenomenal. And sometimes I stand back and go, wow, (laughs) she's just a powerhouse. Look at what she is able to do. And my wife doesn't wait for permission to do what God has called her to do. She she doesn't wait to step in on behalf of our children or to do things that need to be done for our family or to step into relationships and needs in our community. She's empowered by God to do that. And so women, we need you to take the same approach. Uh, Let me ask the question for us to consider, what does it look like in 2023 for us to be protectors of our children? Here's a few things that came to mind. It means that we protect their physical health to the best of our ability. We make sure they get adequate sleep and nutrition. Uh, we, we manage medical decisions with wisdom. We talk those things out. Listen, I don't know that it's ever been harder to navigate some of the complexities of child rearing than it is today. A hundred years ago, we didn't have many answers. Now we have too many. Now we got to wake up every day and go, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. Is she going to take that medication? What are, what are the side effects? Are we comfortable with this doctor? We, do we want to go a, a new route, try some different types of therapies? Like, like kids are sick and they need parents that walk them through difficult health challenges. We've got entertainment decisions, movies and music proliferating, not only in our homes, but on our devices. We've got technology issues. We've got friend groups. Listen, Right now, parents, if your children are the age of 10 or under, you are the primary influence in their life. Praise God for that. The day is soon coming where that is no longer true. The parental influence between the ages of 10 to 15 just takes a complete dive downward and what takes its place is their friends. So parents, while your children are young, steward your influence to make sure their closest friends are friends who are going to point them to Jesus and walk with them in the journey of life. Listen, all of us have, our children have friends who are not believers, who are not following Jesus. And that is a good and an important thing. I'm not saying anything different than that. What I'm telling you is the primary influences in your children's life, including their friend group, they need your influence. They need your protection and your voice in those moments. When it comes to Jochebed, her protection of Moses did not look heroic in the least. It simply looked like weaving a basket. For you moms in the room, it might look like changing a diaper or buckling a seatbelt, researching a movie or a song before your children are exposed to it. It might look like getting to know your kids' friends or even their parents. If your child is a little older, it might mean that by the grace of God, you stay up till midnight because it's the only time they're willing to talk to you. And it's important that that influence remains. And I'm already preparing myself to be able to stay up past 10.30 because my children might need me to do that. If your children are grown out of the home, they might still need a late night phone call. They need your influence. It uh, It doesn't go away. The way we steward it just simply changes. Life giving motherhood begins with the intentionality to protect our children. And then it goes from there to life-giving action number two, which Jacobed did. She positioned her child. Now, what Jacobed actually does for Moses is utterly incredible. I mean, this woman was brilliant. Because what she did is she had the foresight to know exactly where Pharaoh's daughter bathed in the Nile River. It wasn't like, hey, 
if you've seen Prince of Egypt, they just like put him on the water and like crocodiles are trying to get him. It's like, no, that's not legit, right? Like use the Bible, not movies to, you know, all of that. But this wasn't happenstance. She wasn't like, man, I'm hoping for the best. She knew where Pharaoh's daughter bathed. She also sent her daughter Miriam to stand close by to see what happened. My theory is that if Miriam, uh, if Jacobed rather goes, it kind of tips them off. Oh, I see what's going on here. This mom's trying to, no, no, just a young girl, maybe nine, 10 years old. She positions Miriam to be able to say to Pharaoh's daughter, hey, do you want me to find a Hebrew woman to go and nurse this child? And voila, guess who it is? It's Jacobed. And get this, if all of that isn't brilliant enough, she now gets paid to raise her own child. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? You get paid to raise your own kids? Like, you work harder than anybody else, so right? So she's brilliant. She not only saves her child's life, she not only protects the child, but she positions him through her wisdom and through her initiative for great things. Proverbs 31, often a passage that we look to when we talk about the, the ideal version of a woman. But I, again, I want to reiterate, the biblical woman is a woman who is strong, who's decisive, who takes initiative. This is the kind of woman Jacobed was. Listen to Proverbs 31. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the days to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. The Proverbs 31 woman, like every other woman in the Bible and like Jacobet herself, is a strong and assertive woman. This is not the exception in Scripture. This is the norm. Let me make a quick note to those of you who are moms of what I'll call olders, older kids. Jacobed's protection of Moses required her to release him. In a paradoxical way, in order for Jacobed to protect Moses, she literally had to release him to the care and the provision of God. So when it comes to this, what, what Jacobed is doing is she's trusting in the confidence of God. She's trusting in the goodness of God. She's got her plan, but once that child's in the basket on the river, she has no control of the outcome. She, she, has, she has no control of what's going to happen, but she trusts God enough to know if I do my part and release my child to him, he will care for my child. Positioning our children. Now, when it comes to parents in Horizon West and the surrounding area, my hunch is that I don't need to tell you to have a plan for your children. Man, we got some of the savviest parents on the planet. Like, we've got our kids in everything. We're positioning them for greatness in every arena. We got them killing it with academics, and they're on the volleyball court and the baseball field and the cheer camps, and we're putting them in everything, and none of that is bad. We do it all as well. But can I subtly but directly challenge you? What are you really positioning your child for? Because if it's only success in academics, if it's only success on the field of athletics, there will come a time where that no longer matters. Jacobed said, I'm going to position my child to be in the very center of the will of God for his life. That's the greatest thing, moms, that you can do to position your children. So what would happen if your child came to you in the next few years or the next decade, maybe two decades if they're young, and imagine your child coming to you saying, Dad, Mom, I believe God's called me to serve him in Nigeria. 
Or I think God's calling me to the people of Madagascar. Or God's really birthed within me a, a heart for the people of the Middle East, and it means I'm, I'm going. Do we go, no, 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 no. You have a scholarship to UF. <laughs> or we go, praise God. You are positioned for this. Protection doesn't mean I'm keeping you safe only. It means I'm keeping you in the center of God's will. If God is calling you to go, we cheer them on and we pray for them. We say, go and do what God's called you to do because you're his before you're mine. Those three places I mentioned, the Middle East, Nigeria, and Madagascar, happen to be the three places that we currently have missionaries serving the Lord and taking the gospel where it's desperately needed. But can I make a really important point? If the work and those in other hard places is going to continue for the next generations, it's because your children went. Listen, I, I, I get it going, man, I'm not sure, you know, it's like, it's unsafe. It's, but if we don't raise up our children to release them to the plans of God, the work of God ends. If it's all about money, there are not going to be many guys standing on this platform very long. Like, we've got to get our children to love the things of God and the gospel more than anything. And if they go into business and make a lot of money, we help them see that it's money used for the kingdom. And if they go overseas to some dangerous place in the world, we help them see that's where God has positioned them. We cheer that on and we release them to it. Another way to say all of this is to say that protective parenting does not mean helicopter parenting. Before a man named Moses could rescue the people from captivity, a woman named Jochebed had to release him to the care and the purposes of God. And finally, the life-giving action that she took, number three, is this. She prayed for her child. Now, you may be wondering where I see that if you were following along in Exodus 2. The truth is, it doesn't say that in Exodus 2. And in fact, it never explicitly says that Jochebed prayed for her child anywhere in the Bible. But I'm going to make an inference that I don't think is a big leap. Do you really think that a woman who went to all of the trouble, the labor, and the planning to protect and position her child failed to look to God to continue preserving him in the days that followed? Absolutely not. This was a praying woman. I also know it because of Hebrews chapter 11. Look at Hebrews 11 with me. This is sometimes called the hall of faith and Jochebed, without being named, is mentioned. Verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And then by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting or temporary pleasure of sin. Moses considered the reproach of Christ to be of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to a different reward. And by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king because he endured as seeing the one who is invisible. By faith Moses kept the Passover and he sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. I've come to know over my time in ministry and walking with people that it is possible to pray without faith. People do it all the time. They offer the, the ritual, the recitation, the scripted outline. There's nothing of faith in it. It's just the religious duty that they perform. You can pray without faith, but you cannot be a person of faith without prayer. When it says that Moses' parents by faith took action, one of the things it means is they were also people who prayed 
Uh, Let me also draw your attention to the fact that Moses' dad gets credit also for what took place. It says, by faith, Moses' parents did these things. Which means one of two things. Either dads get way too much credit, which is possible. Or, what I believe, Jochebed's husband, Moses' father, was step for step with her in the plan. They were moving together. If you're a mom and your uh, child's dad or your husband is in the home, man, I encourage you, do your best to move together. It's hard. We have, uh, not real wrestling matches, but, but verbally, we, man, are we going to do this? Are we going we to flesh it out? What is, what's the school decision? What's, those things are hard, but they did it together. And by faith, they prepared the way for Moses also to become a man of faith. I love, in fact, one of the Easter eggs that's buried in the Hebrews 11 passage. Verse 23 says that Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's edict. And four verses later in verse 27, it says, Moses did not fear the king's anger. And what I love is that it means this, that even though Jochebed had only a few years with Moses, a few years to protect him and to position him, yet her impact on him and her prayers for him lived long beyond that to the point that when he grew up, he was a man who looked a lot like the woman that raised him. The same fire of faith that burned in her, burned in him. The same courage to go against the king lived in him. In other words, what God put in Jochebed, she was able to put in Moses. Like mother, like son. And I ask myself, how in the world could she have that kind of influence? Listen, Pharaoh's daughter became his mother. Like at some point, the release was complete. The release was, now, now Moses is growing up in the halls of the Pharaoh, which means he's learning the Egyptian language, the Egyptian culture, and yes, even the Egyptian gods. But none of that could destroy the foundation that his mother had laid for him, to be a man who followed after the God, Yahweh, I am. I shared earlier that 23 years ago, I lost my mom to cancer. Mother's Day was about eight days later, and... In between those times, we found some of her old pictures and her books and her records, and we also found some journals. And one of the things that we found was a prayer card tucked into her Bible. Uh, This is a a weird detail, but like uh, me, my mom also was sometimes a little bit absent-minded, and she left her Bible on top of the car, drove to church, and it just went everywhere. And she put it all back together, but it had skid marks for the rest of her life. And we found that Bible— And tucked into that Bible that she used every single morning was a prayer card with the names of me and my six siblings and all of the very specific things that she was praying for us. And though it's been 23 years that she's been gone, I believe much of what God is doing in my life today is the ongoing result of a mom who prayed. See, the wonderful thing about prayer is that God doesn't go, well, you prayed it today, so it lives today and then it dies. Our prayers, moms, your prayers, they live forever. God can continue the work that he is doing through your prayers even after you are with him. And so what does all this mean for us? Let me give you one final thought. The truth is that we would not know Jochebed's name from the two passages that tell her story. Neither Exodus 2 nor Hebrews 11 saw fit to even mention her by name. The only reason we know her name is Jochebed is because of two relatively obscure passages in the Old Testament, which are genealogical records. 
That, that's how we know this woman's name. It's like, what does that matter? What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. Just because work goes unrecognized does not mean it is unimportant. Moms, I know some of you are doing things that are really, really hard and in very obscure places and nobody is thanking you, least of all your children. <laughs> nobody's patting you on the back. Nobody's offering to pay you like they paid Jacques, but no, nobody's giving you a raise. Nobody's giving you a new position. You're just mothering day after day after day. And while you may have other things like a job and, and things that you're doing, when it comes to motherhood, you feel like what you're doing doesn't matter. And I want to encourage you that it matters. It does not go unnoticed. Matthew chapter 10 verse 42 says, Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's a disciple, truly I say to you, that person will by no means lose their reward. Moms, God sees what you're doing. God recognizes what you're doing. And there is great reward in the labor of mothering. Let me share one final thought. Eventually, the people of Israel would enter a place called the promised land. And they would begin to live out generations of life in the place that God meant for them to be. But that never would have happened if there wasn't previously a Red Sea that literally parted in two so that the people could walk through it. And that Red Sea never parts if God doesn't bring about 10 miraculous judgments on the people of Egypt to break the hard heart of Pharaoh. But before those judgments could come, a man named Moses had to stand toe-to-toe with the Pharaoh and say boldly, let my people go. And before there was a Moses, there was a woman named Jochebed. A woman who chose not to be paralyzed by fear, but to take life-giving action for her child. Jochebed made the choice. Step into the hard. Do what God's called me to do and leave the results to him. I want to close this part of our service with a prayer of blessing over our moms. And if that's you, I just want you to receive that in the spirit of, of just grace and love. I want to say to you moms that you're doing better than you think you are. <laughs> no one is a harsher critic of a mom than a mom herself, right? Like, so you're doing good. And I want to pray God's blessing and favor over you. So let's do that together. Father in heaven, I thank you for each of the moms that are in the room. And I thank you for those that are watching online. God, I thank you for the, the idea that you had and that you implemented that the world would really truly need women who were strong and courageous and prayerful and life-giving. And God, thanks for the impact of dozens and even hundreds of moms in Horizon West Church. God, I pray their impact would not only reach their own children, but reach beyond to their friends and their classmates and to generations to come. And God, for the mom that feels like she's failing, would you remind her she cannot fail because you're with her. To the mom who's prayed a thousand prayers and has not seen their child respond or come back to you, God, would you remind her that the story is not over yet? And God, for the moms that just need a little bit of encouragement today, may they take courage in knowing that what they do, who they are, has a life-giving impact on other people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service times, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.